I think ADHD has got the wrong name because I think most girls are hyper inside. So like my head was always turning and but out from the outside, I would look quite shy. And because I wasn't disruptive or causing anyone problems, no one thought there was a problem when really I was dying inside. Welcome to the Hurt to Healing podcast with me, Pandora Morris. I've been fighting an uphill battle with my mental health for many years. And it's only now that I've started to see some glimmers of light. As part of my own recovery, I've made it my mission to support as many of you as possible on your own healing journey by sharing conversations that are more honest and more raw than ever before. I'll be speaking to some wonderful people from all walks of life who will open up about their own invisible struggles in the hope that it will provide a bit of solace and comfort for some of you. The Hurt to Healing podcast is proud to partner with Shout, the UK's first free, confidential, 24-7 tech support service. So if you're struggling to cope and need mental health support, please text SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, to 85258. For those of you who are fans of The Real Housewives of Cheshire, you'll be excited to learn that today's guest is Tanya Bardsley. Tanya is also a life coach, model, and author, and at the age of 39 was finally diagnosed with ADHD after years of battling anxiety and suicidal thoughts. Tanya was praised for her open discussion of her diagnosis on both the reality TV show and her ITV documentary, Me and ADHD, and now proudly claims that she has nothing to be ashamed of. In today's episode, I talk candidly to Tanya about her mental health journey and how her life has changed with the ADHD diagnosis. I'd love to start by asking you when you were first diagnosed with ADHD and what was your initial reaction to that diagnosis? So I went to a specialist just about my anxiety. I just couldn't get rid of it. It was crippling. And I was in a really bad place mentally and he just kept watching me and it was a bit intense how he was watching me. I thought this is a bit weird because yeah, it was different to any of the doctor's appointment I'd ever had and, and it was going on and it was about an hour and then he said, has anyone ever said to you that I, you've got ADHD? And I said, no. And he said, I need to do more tests, but I'm 99.99999% sure that you've got ADHD, you haven't got depression and anxiety, which is what I've been treated and drugged for all my life. So, yeah, it was just a complete shock, which then turned to relief. Relief that finally I know what was wrong with me. And what were your symptoms before being diagnosed? So what took you to that doctor in the first place? Just my mind just never switches off. It's a million, million miles an hour. And it's an inner restlessness of feeling like something bad's going to happen. Feeling depressed, uh, feeling really low. And now I know what it is like when I hyper-focus on stuff. But back then I didn't realise when I would hyper-focus on stuff. But sometimes I'd hyper-focus on the bad things and just like if someone said something bad to me or, or I had an argument, I would hyper-focus on it and relive it and just I couldn't get off that spiral, which in turn just kept my moods. And then I thought I had depression and anxiety when really it was just I was hyper-focusing on the wrong thing. And now I have the tools when I'm doing that is just to physically just try and switch it, which is sometimes still hard when you're in that zone. Now I try and hyper-focus just on positive. So I have to brainwash myself, basically. 
when you look back, how did you manage your life before you got the diagnosis? And what did you do to get through? I mean, you obviously, you know, you became very successful in your own right before being diagnosed with ADHD. So how did you manage before then? I think what it was, was I was just a ball of chaos. And sometimes I was hyper-focused on law of attraction, luckily, when I was about 20. And I was a bit like Bain Man doing all the vision boards and everything like that. So I think I was kind of lucky that I just randomly happened to hyper-focus on the law of attraction. Because if I hadn't, it could have gone the wrong way. But then I'd go overwhelmed and then I'd be absolutely just tired because I'd do like eight hours work in two hours. So, yeah, I think how I got where I was was luckily hyper-focusing on the law of attraction, which because I always felt so down, it just, every time I read about it, it would lift my mood a little bit. So I just sort of got addicted to just trying. And now I know that I was just searching for dopamine and it gave me a hit of dopamine every time I read something positive. So I just got more and more hyper-focused on that. And when you say the law of attraction, do you think that eventually led to you meeting your husband? Uh, well, I did a vision board about my husband. I was a single mum with my Gabriella, had no money. And my mum and dad actually thought I was going to be a serial killer because they'd never heard of uh, vision boards. It's quite a new thing. And I put a picture of a mansion up in my mum and dad's spare bedroom. And then I put a picture of me and Gabriella and I cut a man out of a catalogue and put a question mark over the man's head. And then I got this uh, Johnson's baby baby whites and I cut out the picture of the baby which was really white skinned big blue eyes and I, I'm quite olive skinned anyway ended up with Phil ended up with the mansion was exactly the same it wasn't the same house but like you can hardly tell the difference and this baby that I had Rocco has got the whitest skin bless him like I didn't know Factor 70 existed until I had this kid and the biggest blue eyes like proper alieny. like it's just exactly the same as the Johnson's baby advert baby it was, it's bizarre wow I mean also the power of yeah manifestation uh-huh and in your teens how did you deal with friendships and school exams all of that side of things were they helpful in the classroom or did you really struggle at school I really struggled at school. I tried to take my own life three times in school because I, I didn't know about the law of attraction or anything then. I didn't know about positive thinking. I was just, and I think with teenage hormones and I think ADHD has got the wrong name because I think most girls are hyper inside. Like my head was always turning and but out from the outside, I would look quite shy. And because I wasn't disruptive or causing anyone problems, no one thought there was a problem when really I was dying inside just sadness, just a lot of sadness. And I didn't know why, because I'd loving mum and dad. There was no reason why I had, I felt like that. I just felt like I didn't belong. I just found everything difficult. And I'm dyslexic as well. So that was, I, I just couldn't get why everyone could stand up and read. And I would just literally sweat and just worry and think I've got to stand up and read. And I can't, I can't do it. I, I just can't do it. So were you quite introverted as a, as a child? Yes, very very like I wouldn't I'd hardly even speak and did you have friends or did were you sort of quite uh well my dad was in the army so we moved schools a lot so I think that probably made it a bit easier that no one really noticed people just thought I was a new shy girl and then we'd move on to the next place so I think that sort of contributed to not being picked up but I just don't really think I would have been picked up anyway because it's only really now people are realizing that it's quite common in girls because I remember you saying in one interview that when you were diagnosed, your mum said, oh, yeah, finally, I always knew that that was something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
So they obviously had their suspicions. Yeah. But again, there was no real label. And still now, like the old generation, they think it's just a new fandangle thing and we're just labeling naughty kids. And, and that's not the case at all. It's not the case. And so how's the ADHD? I mean, you've alluded to what it was like at school, sort of internally being like very chaotic and having probably quite a lot of social anxiety and that sort of performance anxiety side of things. But how would you say now with the benefit of hindsight that it really manifested itself and in what behaviours did it sort of exhibit most profoundly? I mean, I'm lucky to be here. Luckily, I'm very terrible at trying to take my own life. So I think that's the most scary thing. And that's why I'm trying to fight to get early diagnosis for children because one of the symptoms of ADHD is an impulse. So I was just, when I was having a bad day, I would just like try and throw myself in front of a car because I just couldn't cope with the noise inside my head. So early diagnosis, I've seen, and that's ADHD. I've gone off on a total different thing and now because I've got so many things on in my head, I'm like answering all different questions. So what was the original question? <laughs> well, let's focus on that because I don't want to skirt over the fact that you attempted to take your own life three times. So talk to me about that, if you don't mind. From what you've just said, it wasn't planned. It was quite impulsive. It was literally yes. a case of I'm having a bad day. Yeah, they were they were all impulsive, and which is a big, big symptom of ADHD, which is why a lot of kids get into trouble because if you think of our brains, there's three brains and there's a thought, say, um, someone in school, I'm going to hit her. And then like a neurotypical would process it. No, maybe that's not a good idea. And then the action with ADHD, there's not the middle part which processes it. So we just think it, do it or think it and say it. And my husband always goes, why the fuck have you said that? And even I go, why have I just said that? Why have I just done that? It's just impulsive. And I think it kind of come across as sometimes being, yeah, you kind of get labelled in society as just having no filter and being quite narcissistic because quite yes. often, yeah, if you don't like someone, it can come out as being very kind of curt and abrupt. Yeah. I mean, there is an element of we just say what we think and we're saying what everyone else is thinking. But yeah, it can hurt feelings sometimes. Which in turn, And then we feel bad. And then uh, it's like, oh, God, it's not fun sometimes, ADHD. But there is a lot of positives to it as well, like getting eight hours of work done in two hours. And and we are quite fun because you never know what's going to come out of our mouths. I'm curious as to whether you find it easy to put yourself in someone else's position. So when there's that lack of filter in the middle, can you then, though, have the self-awareness to see, oh, shit, what I've just said actually is really not okay and I've actually obviously really hurt the other person's feelings yeah I mean there was a there was an instance when I was filming not so long back and someone came in and they were dressed like the undertaker she walked in and I was like oh my god what are you wearing did someone die and everyone was just in shock but to me it was I just saw what I saw and, and there was no malice in it or anything but it just and then I thought in my head I was like fuck it's not okay it's not okay so, yeah, there's a lot of things like that where I think sometimes I just have enough of, I can't be bothered hanging around with myself anymore sometimes. Like, I just get myself into trouble. So, Tanya, when you were in your sort of teens, when was your first attempt that you made to take your own life? How old were you? I, I think I was about eight, you know. And I just remember sitting again, this impulse, and I drank bleach. And luckily, it just made my tongue peel. Uh, like literally strips of my tongue 
God knows what was going on inside. And the second time, the second time made sense because I was being really, really badly bullied, like really badly bullied by older girls, like a big gang of them. And that's when I tried to jump in the car in front of a car and it nearly got me, but it swerved out of the way. And the third time, there was nothing really bad going on in my life. I just thought, I'm going to take loads of pills and just drink. And I did, but I just ended up violently, violently sick and being banned from the youth club for six weeks, uh, which wasn't really what I intended. I was gutted afterwards when I came out that I had a six-week ban and no one knew about that either. So it's, again, it's I think that's why it's so important to get an early diagnosis because young kids, the brains are not thinking right. They do impulsive things. It's scary. Yeah, and that's why your work in raising awareness of ADHD is so vital and is so needed because I think people are very quick to dismiss ADHD as, oh, well, you know, just another kid has ADHD, we'll just put them on Ritalin and off they go. Yeah. And in fact, they had, don't have the understanding and the awareness that it's it's life-threatening. And even I was worried about my boy because there's a lot of fights and stuff. And if he got in a fight... I'm not saying you would, but like if there was a knife or something like that, there was a lot of talking of knives and in the school. And I think it's just all taught. But I just think someone with ADHD and if there was a knife there, it would just be instant. And I probably this is probably a really bad example of um, and nothing to do with my son, by the way. But a lot of people with ADHD are in prisons because it's impulsive, reactive, um, no thought process. And a lot of people with addiction too, because they just want to quiet the noise in their brains and obesity as well, because it's just constant. It's your hyper-focus and you can hyper-focus on food. And I just think at the minute, the government are just paying a lot of money for the people of prisons, for the addictions and all of this, instead of just doing a blanket diagnosis like diagnosing children early in schools because it's hard to pick up girls because they're they're not disruptive hurt to healing has partnered with brown advisory to bring you this podcast brown advisory a global investment management firm is passionate about raising awareness of mental health challenges in order to help people thrive in an ever-changing world A big thank you to Brown Advisory for supporting my mission. So going back to how you managed it in your early teenage years, would you say it was just a case of getting through it? Because you seem emotionally quite detached, correct me if I'm wrong, but from your, when you talk about your attempts to take your own life, you know, for some people it would be incredibly traumatic going back there, but for you it does seem that there was that just... Yeah, I'm totally detached from it. It's like looking at a different person. The only thing that does is when I think about the bullying, but when I think about taking my own life, it weirdly doesn't because there was no real emotion to build up to it. It was just an impulsive thing, Mm. which I still don't understand why. God knows what was going on in that little brain of mine at the time. Do you get depressed with ADHD? Is that a side effect or is that... Yes, I mean, get overwhelmed, uh, depressed, anxious... Um, but now I wouldn't actually admit of ADHD does get worse with the with PMS, which everything does. I think as a woman, no matter what you've got, if you've got PMS on top, life is shit. And I am very depressed then. But I think I would be depressed with my PMS without ADHD. So I don't really know. 
but it's more the inner restlessness. It's sort of like a bad feeling that something bad's going to happen. So that's why it's the toolbox that I have now, which really, really does help. So talk to me about your toolbox that you have now. What does that involve? So basically, I can either have structure or I can have chaos. And chaos never ends well. So structure, I have to go to sleep and wake up every day, same time. And as soon as I wake up, I meditate and I pray. So that just sorts it out. And it's all the thing. I do all the things that everyone knows that they should be doing. But I have to do it. Otherwise, I can just spiral off. And I've got four kids and I've got to do it for them. Do it for me as well. But I can't be going into chaos. I've got four gorgeous little beings relying on me. And also mm. exercise. I have to exercise every day. And I hate exercising. I literally hate it. But yeah, I have to. And cold showers as well. Yeah. Because it just lowers the heart rate down. Limit caffeine. It sounds like a boring life, but it's not. And you actually start enjoying these things once you start doing them, once you get in the role of it. And then diet, does that play a role? Do you avoid sugar or is that... No, if I because I've tried doing the diet thing. And if I tell myself I can't have something, I'll have focused on it and I'll eat the whole damn cake and go and buy another one. So, yeah, I just tell myself I do fasting. So I'll only eat eight hours of the day and I can just eat whatever I want. Uh, when with portion control but yeah I just eat whatever I want but I try and get my five five a day in there and fish oils as well for the brain and so talk to me if you don't mind about your journey with medication because I know that that's been quite a checkered one so since I was about 19 I've been going to the GP for depression anxiety symptoms and they've just been plying me with antidepressant after antidepressant after antidepressant so then when I got diagnosed with ADHD, I thought, oh, my God, this is it. My life's going to be amazing. And then I tried the first ones and I was so happy. I can't remember what the first ones are called. It begins with an A. I was so happy internally, but externally, I was just sort of sat like that. And I mean, I was filming a reality show at the time and it doesn't make good viewing. As long as I'm sat happy inside, but I'm just like a random with a smirk on its face, like... I had no personality, but I was so... But when I go to a care home when I'm older, I'll take those because <laughs> I was so happy. <laughs> so I had to come off those and then I went on the second ones. I kept getting tired and I needed like a four-hour nap each day, which I've not got time. I've got four kids. I've got four businesses. I'm filming. I've not got time for a four-hour nap in the day as well as 12 hours at night. So then the, the third ones, I thought, oh, these ones are going to be it. And I had so much energy, but it was like I was in a permanent hyper-focused state. Like, next thing, next thing, what can we do next, next, that? And my heart kept racing. And I said, to, I was on a photo shoot, and I said to my business partner, I said, you can actually see my boob implant wobbling. I said, look at that, look at my heart. She was going, like, maybe you should sit down. I was going, no, 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 I need to shoot this, I need to shoot this, and then I've got to do this next thing, the next thing. And now I just collapsed. And I got back up and then collapsed again and then woke up with paramedics and my mum and my husband and and the girls who was there with me actually thought that I was dead, I was gone. And I've never tried one since. So that's why I just have to stick to my routine because I'm terrified of just going back to that place, the dark, dark place. And have you ever taken Ritalin or is that just a kind I've of generic? Tried, I've not tried Ritalin. Elvancy, that's what I was on, which is kind of similar. 
Okay, because it's sort of, I mean, it is the sort of drug that everyone, I mean, well, I may be very ignorant, but that's the kind of what yeah. I hear of people who have ADHD take. It's, um, yeah, and it is mad because when I have caffeine, I get tired. I, I have a can of Red Bull and I can go to sleep. It's like we're upside down. So like neurotypical would have a kind of Red Bull, get energy. And like if you give us sort of like speed-based uh, a drug it'll calm us down it's, it's a bit mental really what do you think being a mother has did that exacerbate your ADHD and and being a re- reality tv star and running all your businesses has that helped you I mean I know the hyper focus obviously plays into it but has that altered anything for you I mean I think I'm a great reality star from my ADHD because you never know what's going to come out of my mouth. I'm a producer's dream. (laughs) (laughs) Why, yeah, job well done. You can go home. (laughs) She's nailed it in one take. And like, if it's a script or anything, I can just remember it. And because I just want to get to the next thing and next thing. And it's like I can forward see everything. So I do get a bit frustrated with neurotypicals because of like you're going the long way around and we could just do this 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 and this and we could just do it quick so yeah there, there is good points about it I get a lot done yeah you're a very a very productive worker I'm sure they yeah absolutely <laughs> love having you running all your businesses. <laughs> oh my goodness you're hilarious so women and ADHD is a slightly I mean it is definitely an underexplored I'd say topic and definitely more awareness is needed around the fact that so many girls and young women do struggle with ADHD and I think the pandemic has definitely highlighted how many women do suffer from ADHD and have actually never been diagnosed or have been misdiagnosed with depression or have been on a very convoluted journey. What advice would you have for women who suspect they might have ADHD or for those who are already diagnosed and are struggling with ADHD? So one of the fights that I'm having at the moment is getting waiting lists down because it's a three to seven year waiting list uh, for the NHS to get diagnosed, which is just horrific. But I think in the meantime, you can take online tests and can give you a sort of good indication. But all you can do is structure, limit alcohol, your fish oils, and just do all the things that you know you've got to do, drink water, get you sleep, and just really look after yourself. And that's all you can do at the moment. And that's all I'm still doing now is just actually doing things that I really can't be bothered to do. Like some days I just can't be bothered to meditate. I just want to, I just want to just lie there, but I have to meditate straight away and go, go to the gym. I just feel amazing. And is therapy effective for ADHD? Yes, yes. Therapy is uh, effective for everything, I think. But therapy can be very, very expensive as well and not everyone can afford therapy. Mm. But I always say YouTube, you can get everything on YouTube. Like in the morning, have whatever I want to feel. If I if I wake up a bit groggy and then I'll just put in meditation to attract positive energy or, um, because you can just get everything on YouTube. And you don't need a gym. You can go for a walk. Just get that exercise in just until you do get diagnosed. I mean, my son is has got ADHD and he is medicated and he is thriving on it. And I know a lot of mums, they, they don't, I've had so many messages going saying they never want to admit that they've medicated their child. Um, but my son was, he was about to lose his football contract. He signed to Stoke City. He couldn't focus on a game. He was 
and his dream is to be a premiership footballer. So if I hadn't medicated him and then he, he got dropped and then I had to explain to him he could have made it if I had just given him in the pill. If I had to have that conversation with him when he got older, how would I explain that? So we trialled it and, oh, my God, he's now the captain. He's absolutely thriving. But then it makes me wonder, are all these drugs geared for men? Because I've never heard a woman who has found the right one and the men thrive on them. So I think more research needs to be done because our hormones <laughs> mess with everything. Yeah, it's very true. I think it's with a lot of things. I mean, I can refer it back to OCD and, you know, eating disorders, etc. Often you are prescribed antidepressants, you know, SSRIs, and actually they only work for a very, very selective few of people. Yeah. And sometimes these side effects just don't, just are worse than the original symptoms. So it's just weighing up what's best for you. What do you wish that you had known earlier if you were to be able to speak to your teenage self? I just wish that I knew that I wasn't alone. There was other people feeling exactly like me because I just thought I was a bit of a bloody alien, to be honest. And I think that's what some people go, well, what's the point of getting diagnosed and you're not going to do anything about it, you're not going to get medicated? Well, because there's lots of support groups out there, you can meet other people with the same thing and just talk and actually feel a part of another network sort of thing. It's just a feeling of I'm not bloody crazy. I've just, my brain just works differently. And here's another set of people whose brain works the same as me. We are just as normal as everyone else. We're just a different type. Yeah, I mean, well, that's exactly what we're trying to do by talking about it and doing podcasts and and interviews and it helps massively. And you're doing a lot of work with the charity, which is based in the UK. ADHD UK, yeah. And there is an online um, diagnosis test on there that you can do because the waiting list is so long. Yeah, so that's what you'd recommend as someone who suspects they might be struggling with it is to go onto ADHD UK and to take the online test. Yeah. It's been absolutely wonderful talking to you and I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hurt to Healing podcast. I'd love for you to subscribe to the show or to follow me on our Hurt to Healing Instagram at Hurt to Healing Pod. You might also have a friend or family member that you think might benefit from hearing this conversation. So please spread the word. Thank you.